Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. The Bible says in Mark 12 to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Did you know, according to Healthline.com, the human brain will grow three times its size in the first year of life. It continues to grow until you're about 18 years old. Did you know the adult brain weighs about three pounds? Did you know about 75% of the brain is made up of water? This means that dehydration, even in small amounts, can have a negative effect on the brain functions. So as you're listening today, reach over and take several sips from your bottle of water. Today's guest is Sylvia Deloach, and she has spent a great deal of time researching how the brain works. She has a degree in speech and English from East Texas Baptist University. Sylvia lives in Richardson, Texas. She has taught in public school, then she served on the staff of a local church and with National WMU. Her last assignment was that of a missions innovator. To say Sylvia is a lifelong learner may be the understatement of the year. Sylvia is an exceptional thinker. By that, I mean she's always studying and trying to figure out how to make something fresh and new and different. She excels in helping people think creatively. Innovators have a unique vantage point. They can see things differently. What I love about Sylvia is that she does not keep the knowledge to herself. She is willing to help others use their minds for kingdom good. I am excited she is with us today. Sylvia, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Sylvia, how did you get involved in creativity and focusing on the way we think? Well, I know I've always loved thinking up ideas and imagining different ways to do things. But what brought that old habit into a sharp focus was my being assigned a new role with WU, Missions Innovator. I remember that. I looked up the word in the dictionary, and I found that it means to introduce as something new, to renew, to make changes, thus requiring me to become one who does those things. I knew there were many books on the market about that buzzword innovation, and I began to select some that would help me prepare. But as I began to do that, I realized that the first book I should consult would be the Bible, because I wanted all of my work to derive from what God's Word says about thinking. So I took a paperback version of the Daily Walk, Read the Bible Through, and I armed myself with highlighters, and I began to read It took a long time, and I was amazed at all the information that had surprisingly been there all the time. When I finished the Bible, just for fun, I went back through to see what the first and last highlighted references were, and I actually think they connect. In Genesis 6-5, I found this verse describing mankind. All the inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And I found the last verse in Revelation 17, 9, which says, this calls for a mind with wisdom. So Sylvia, you read the Bible cover to cover looking specifically for anything about thinking. That That is incredible. I certainly did. And in that search through the Bible, I highlighted any verses which mention not only the mind, but also the brain, thinking, reflecting, pondering, 
remembering, discerning, and understanding. I discovered one line in a very familiar verse that stopped me cold. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus is giving the two commandments to his followers. His words in Matthew are recorded again by both Mark and Luke, but the one line that caught my eye is not in any mention of the Old Testament commandments, and this is the line, Thou shalt love God with your mind. As I began to ponder about that line in Jesus' first commandment, I found myself wondering, how can I do that? Love God with my mind. Now, over the years, I'd heard sermons and lessons focusing on that verse, but it was always about what you put into your mind, not filling your mind with the bad, but only the good things. I think I had that lesson down pat because I remember sitting at a lunch table when I was a junior in high school, watching the girls at my table as they passed around the book for everyone to read a selection from. I already knew from what I had heard that Peyton Place was not a book I should read. Uh-oh. That day, I obediently passed it on, and I was grateful no one seemed to care that <laughs> I didn't even put that in my mind. Good for you. Well, that rediscovery of a line in Jesus' command would become my marching orders for work as an innovator, and ultimately, marching orders for my life even now. It's wonderful to know the things we should put in our minds. But it's quite another thing to know how God wants us to use our minds. Sylvia, how do you live out this understanding? Well, this is my interpretation of what it means to love God with my mind. We can love God with our minds by doing our best thinking when it comes to the things of God. Okay. So, Sylvia, give me a biblical example of what you're talking about. Well, the first Bible character I found who represents this ability well was Miriam. Miriam could not only think on her feet, but she could come up with creative solutions. Remember, she was only told to stand at a distance and watch baby Moses in a basket on the river so the family would know what happened. Yes, I remember. But when the Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, Miriam quickly went forward and offered to find a Hebrew nurse for the baby. His own mother became that nurse, and the rest is history. All because God used a young girl who thought quickly and creatively. That is an amazing example from the Bible. Well, what have you learned from some other books? I remember the first book I bought to prepare to be an innovator. It was a college textbook entitled The Diffusion of Innovation. Oh, my goodness. Wait a second. <laughs> you bought a college textbook called Diffusion of Innovation. You read it, and you still wanted to be an innovator? <laughs> well, it was a huge book, but it didn't take me long to learn a very important lesson. What lesson was that? Well, it told a story of a medical group going into a remote village in Peru. They took medications that would help the people escape the diseases that were cutting their lives short. Okay. Since the doctors and nurses were strangers, none of the villagers would come to them for treatment. Finally, the one woman who agreed to take the medications was a sickly woman whom the other people had long avoided. They weren't going to be influenced by her at all. Sylvia, what do you glean from that story? The textbook made the point that sometimes innovations are difficult to accept, and it's better to build relationships first. Okay. 
that struck home to me, and it colored my whole approach to exploring missions innovation for WMU. I was never going to go into an assignment as an expert armed with, here's what you need to do, and here are the materials to help you do it. Okay, well, if you're not going to go in as the expert, what did you do instead? The tabula rasa approach became my friend. Say that one more time. The tabula rasa approach became my friend. Can you define that? Well, it means a blank piece of paper. Okay. A clean slate. Okay. When I was working with a group, I went in with a blank piece of paper and a pencil. I saw my job as learning from them. I, I could focus on providing experiences that helped them to use their best thinking in the things of God, but they would be helping me fulfill another part of my role, which was to take their new ideas back to National WU, who then could develop ways to help them use those new ideas. Okay, that, that makes sense. Sylvia, I have been to your house. You're, you're a little bit of a fan of books, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah, it it, it almost borders on um, hoarding. If I if I were <laughs> honest, <laughs> you have a little you have a little bit of a problem, don't you? Well, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. Uh, what are what are some other books that uh, that you've studied? Well, since purchasing that first book about innovation, I have found some great books to promote creative, critical thinking. I will say that at last count, I have well over 200 books only about the brain, the mind, thinking, creativity, and innovation. (laughs) Sylvia, 200 books on one topic. I am not at all surprised. And I have 27 bookcases in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I, I am not surprised by that at all. But next time I come, I want a tour of all 27. I haven't seen all of them, apparently. Okay, Sylvia, so you've got 200 books on 27 bookcases. I doubt we'll have time to cover everyone in this short podcast, but give me a sampling of what you've learned from maybe two or three of the books. Okay. In her book, Our Spiritual Brain, Barbara Bruce integrated brain research and faith development. The first half of her book deals with the functions of the brain, and the second half gives you brain-friendly applications to use in the Christian education setting. It's fascinating. And then in Quantum Learning by Bobby DeCorder, I found a thinking styles inventory that I've used with WMU groups all over the country. It allows a group of people who regularly work together to discover their individual thinking styles and then learn how they fit together as a group. Yes, I remember being part of those. So now, Edward DeBono's books are favorites of mine. DeBono is considered the father of lateral thinking, and it's been fun to develop activities that help people to think laterally, which means solve problems creatively by looking at them from a new or unusual way. When you're trying to help someone think creatively, how have you used those resources, those books? Actually, in thinking back over those last two authors, De Porter and De Bono, I remember developing a conference that I entitled, From De Bono to De Porter to De Loach. 
<laughs> I know that people wondered how in the world that title would have anything to do with WU. But it was based on what I had learned from their books and how I applied it to the WU setting. Deporter to DeBono to DeLoach, I'll do just about anything to get people's attention and pump up their thinking. And you do it incredibly well. Some of the thinking techniques that you've learned and you've used in your conferences, can you talk to me about those? There are tons of techniques that equip us to do our best thinking so that we can apply them when it comes to the things of God. I have some favorites, but you may hear some strange names in these. Okay, that's good. Tell us about maybe your favorite five. The Red Car Principle, A Kitchen for the Mind, Peppermint Candy, The 39th Section, and Music. Okay, you've got to talk about all those. Can you tell us briefly about those? Okay, here they are in a nutshell. The red car principle comes from a book entitled A Whack on the Side of the Head. (laughs) It's an established thinking theory that goes like this. If you're in the market for a car and you know you want a red one, you go to car dealerships to look. You don't notice the cars of other colors, but you go straight to anything red. You buy a red car and drive it home, and for the first time, you notice how many other red cars there are on the road. Even your neighbor has a red car, and you never notice. The theory is this. If you plant something in your mind, it will come up in your thoughts over and over and over. You'll notice things related to it. Now, there are multiple applications we can make from that theory. I remember sitting in your conference and learning about the red car principle. I think at the time you even said you wanted a red Mustang convertible. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Yes, you are. And I still do. And it has still been vetoed. Oh, come on, Elliot. Too bad. All right. What's the second technique? I found an idea for the kitchen for the mind in a book entitled Think Out of the Box. The authors suggest that since we have a kitchen in our homes to feed our bodies, we need a place set aside to feed our minds. Now, in my house, you know I have a room called the Prontistery. I love the Prontistery. It's one of that my favorite means, words you taught me. That means it's a place for thinking and learning. Mine is filled with those things that feed my mind. Music, pictures and paintings, plants, books, games, supplies and such. Now, the technique doesn't require a room. The idea works even if it's a corner of a room. Any space where you can place things to feed your mind. I have really enjoyed your writings about prontosteries, and every place I've been, I've always been mindful to set up a prontostery. Thanks to your teaching. Thank you. Third thing you said was peppermint. Tell us about that, Sylvia. Well, from many sources, I have learned that certain foods feed your brain and help you think. Blueberries are great in the morning for a quick start. Some others are leafy greens, salmon, nuts, dark chocolate, and many more foods all affect our brains and the way we think. When I learned that peppermint candy increases the brain's ability to concentrate, I started sharing peppermints in my workshops and conferences. Remember, I'll do anything. (laughs) And then, Sylvia, for number four, if I understood right, I think you said something about the 39th section. What does that mean? Yes, this is one I made up. 
I have many books about Albert Einstein. I think everyone would recognize Einstein as one of the world's great thinkers. Absolutely. I learned that, that when Einstein died, not surprisingly, medical scientists studied his brain. The brain was dissected into many parts, and each part was numbered. Each numbered part, then, was labeled with its function in the brain. The part of the brain with which it does the deepest thinking was numbered 39. I learned that the 39th section of Einstein's brain was more densely constructed than any brain that had ever studied. Hmm. Einstein didn't regularly use deep thinking. Knowing that about Einstein, I began a file and wrote 39th section on it. That one file has grown to many and even file cabinet drawer space now. But occasionally I love going back through the materials that once told me, you need to think more deeply about this. That is great. Helping us learn how to think deeply. I love it. And the last one, music. I'm pretty sure that's something we can all relate to. How does music help us think? Well, simply put, it does affect the brain. I've always loved music, and now I love it even more since I'm learning all the ways it affects my brain. In the book, The Mozart Effect, I learned about how his sonata for two pianos in D major affects the brain. It's believed that hearing this piece of music actually raises the IQ. Knowing that, I often play it at the beginning of a workshop, telling everyone its benefits but I also quickly tell them the effect doesn't last long, so we have to hurry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> tell, us, tell us the exact musical piece again. Sonata for two pianos in D major. Okay. I remember one time when I played it, this lady was sitting there and told the person next to her that she couldn't even think with that music going. <laughs> I was doing something good for her. Did, did she get up and leave your conference after you oh. told her what it was for? <laughs> no. She stayed? She stayed. And we became friends. <laughs> it takes a while to get used to my approach. <laughs> I love it. All right, Sylvia, how do you want to wrap this up? I think a song and a scripture sum it up best. First, the song. The other day, I was sitting in my monastery listening to instrumental hymns and reading. When the song opened my eyes began, I sang aloud the words of the first verse. I couldn't remember the other verses, so I checked the hymnal, and I learned that the three verses in the song ask God to open my eyes, then my ears, and finally my mouth. As I thought about that, I began to play with words that would ask God to open my mind. Now, scribbled on a whiteboard in my promissory are these words, my added verse to an old hymn. Open my mind and help me know your guiding spirit as I grow. Place in my thoughts your wisdom for me. Help me apply it faithfully. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my mind, fulfilling me, spirit divine. Sylvia, that is beautiful. Well, that's my song. And as to scripture, since it was in the Bible that I found the starting point and the reason 
for finding ways to love God with my mind, I end with a scripture that provides me with daily fuel for such a mission. And this fuel comes from the message version of Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Sylvia, that is beautiful. I am thrilled that you were willing to come on On the Journey Conversations today and to challenge us how we could love God with our minds. Thank you for being with us, Sylvia. Working on it has really been an inspirational time for me. It's rejuvenated me. And so I think it's a memory that I'm going to carry for a long time. So I'm grateful to get to do this. Glad to have you, Sylvia. Today, I hope you've gained some insights on loving God with your mind. I think it would be helpful if we close today with a word from Philippians 4a. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Thank you for listening to this edition of On the Journey Conversations.